Welcome to Full Body Frequency, the one-hour weekly show that celebrates everything full-bodied and fabulous. I'm Laura Rice, cultural curator, fashion designer, and your guide through the Full Body Frequency experience. This is the current through which we will explore the truths and explode the myths about the lives and loves of plus-size women. Since our lives shouldn't depend on how others see us, neither will this show. Full Body Frequency is the platform through which we will dialogue about moving through this world fully engaged with passion and purpose. Our foundation, fashion, art, culture, beauty, health and wellness, travel and love. Each week we'll go behind the blogs with some of your favorite and soon to be favorite bloggers with the flow. Our global hotness segment brings you the world as we explore the international adventures of plus size women everywhere. We'll change frequencies and explore life's possibilities. Plus one is your takeaway for the week. And because we want to hear from you, send us some listener love on Facebook at Full Body Frequency or fullbodyfrequency at gmail.com. Are you done with the cold and snow, heavy boots and coats? Well, today on Full Body Frequency, we're shaking away our winter blues and talking spring food and wine with an exciting array of guests. Joining me in the flow is Samantha Sam Irby, author of Meaty and the creator of the cult-followed and hilarious Bitches Gotta Eat blog. Both her book and blog offer you an intimate look at this plus-size writer's adventures in dating, eating and drinking, Crohn's disease, and being a grown-A woman with a serious appetite for life. Brian Duncan, an internationally renowned wine evangelist, comes to share his latest business venture, down-to-earth wine concepts. And he'll also talk Harlem Eat Up during our Global Hotness segment. Are you a novice to the wine game? Well, no worries. Brian offers a taste of his spring wine picks. We'll change frequencies with Lori Perrette, a former high school teacher turned pastry chef. She's also the owner of Cakewalk Chicago, a retail and online baking and cake decorating supply boutique. And now she's a beekeeper. She'll share her career journey along with two delicious spring desserts that you can make at home and pair with one of Brian Duncan's wine picks. Yes, today is all about preparing our palates for the best food and wine spring has to offer. Because we all gotta eat. It's Full Body Frequency. Visible, viable, voluptuous radio. Stay tuned. Take me outside, sit in the green garden, nobody out there, but it's soaking now, bathing the sunlight, don't mind if rain falls, take me outside, sit in the green garden. of a butterfly high as a treetop down again putting my bag down taking my shoes off walking the carpet a green velvet Outside, sit in the green garden. Nobody out there, 
Joining me today is writer Samantha Irby, a superstar of Chicago's live lit reading scene and soon to be known across the globe for her searing wit and refreshingly candid writing. Irby, whose followers religiously read her blog, Bitches Gotta Eat, openly tackles her life and work, dating and sexuality, eating and drinking with Crohn's disease, and growing up black in a predominantly white community. She even uses the Oreo cookie as a metaphor for violating black code and economic prosperity. She opened for Baratunde Thurston's How to Be Black tour, and her work has appeared in Rompus and Jezebel. Sam, welcome to Full Body Frequency. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. For those who aren't familiar with your blog, which is a festival of, damn, did she really say that? What's the history behind it? What's the history behind it? And, and why the title, Bitches Gotta Eat, Tacos, Hot Dudes, Diarrhea, and Jams? <laughs> okay. The name comes from that scene in Boys in the Hood when they're at the barbecue mm. in the very beginning. And Ice Cube, like, cuts in front of Regina King to get some ribs. And she, you know, calls him on it. And he caught, he was like, Toe's gotta eat. And she was like, I'm not a hoe. And he was like, oh, sorry, bitch. <laughs> so that's where that came from. Also, because it's true, bitches do gotta eat. I'm also, like, you know, about sort of taking the, the heat out of that word. I mean... I, you know, I think we, sometimes you just gotta call somebody a bitch, you know? You're reclaiming I started, <laughs> yes, For the good. yes, I'm taking all of the negative out of it. And, I mean, you know, there are times when you talk, you know, you call somebody a bitch and you expect to get punched, but I'm not sensitive to it, and I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, if it offends you, it's okay. The little tagline, I mean, basically, <laughs> I think when I first set up with Blogger, you had to pick, like, a subhead. I could be making that up. And so when I was thinking about what I was going to write about, like, those are my four interests, food, hot dudes, not so much anymore, but at the time, <laughs> diarrhea, because I was having, I have Crohn's disease, and I have diarrhea all the time, and jams. I, really, I had this idea, at the time, I had a radio show on Northwestern, station and I thought that I would like you know do music reviews and go to shows and things like that so the emphasis was going to be more on music it wasn't really nuts about music but I basically don't really write about music at all but I do now I sort of make playlists for my readers so that's that's how we work the jams in there I started it a few years ago because I was I had an old blog that I started to impress this dude and after we broke up, I was like, I don't need to write that blog anymore. But my friends liked it, and so then I just started this one, and it has taken off. Now, let me ask you this. So your your last blog, you requested that folks needed to make you a hot mixtape. Did that happen? One of your With your jams. One person on Spotify sent me a mix that she made, and it was really good. It's really good. But no, I was waiting for cassette tapes to flood my work mailbox, but they haven't yet. That's okay. There's still time. There's still time. But it's like you tell somebody to make you a mix, they don't even know how to do that anymore. It's a lost art. It really is. But but you you have a cassette player still? Yeah, of course. Oh, I will make people a tape. I'm not even kidding. I will sit with my little feet. 
cheese and make you a mix and it'll be the jam. Mm. I'm not kidding. That's, <laughs> my, that's one of my lost arts. I'm trying to bring the cassette back. Well, bring it back. You know, I don't want to say vinyl is so awesome, but I'm really sticking with cassette. <laughs> well, I'm sure your followers would love that. And so, and so yeah. let's just speak a little bit. My office would give them a handcrafted cassette. Yeah, Maybe I'll do it. that. They love I would it. Do, maybe I'll do that. Well, now you have a great group of followers: white, black, yeah. gay, straight, fat, skinny, and mostly women who worship at the altar of Sam Irby. Growing up, did you ever fathom this kind of devotion from perfect strangers? And how do you feel about this post-adolescence adoration and identification? <laughs> well, most writers are egomaniacs. Um, and it definitely doesn't feel bad to have tons of people you don't know <laughs> telling you this is... Well, yeah, so I, I look at my blog, it's basically like... I mean, and definitely when I started, it was just sort of a place for me to put all of the things I was thinking about. Um, and it was sort of like, well, if you respond to that, then great. But as, it's, as the years have gone by, it's sort of transformed, and I write more for the audience, you know, like through through my prism or whatever I'm going through, but I write, I write with the audience in mind. Uh, and it's amazing to put something out to the world and have somebody say, this made me laugh, this made me cry, this made me think, this made me mad. I, when I was a kid, I had no idea. I mean, I definitely was like a little ham, you know, and like I was a really precocious kid who sort of thrived on attention. I didn't foresee this kind of thing, but now that it's happening, I'm like, oh yeah, this, this is cool. <laughs> and I, I do have such like this an amazing supportive audience of like like-minded people. I feel really lucky that the people who the people who stick around, you know, and interact. I have a Facebook page, and, you know, and people who email me and stuff. The people who show up to my events, they're all like cool and they all like vibe well with each other i think it's i think it's pretty amazing mm. now does this adoration figure into a plan for world domination someday you know world domination i would love to dominate a, my tiny little corner of the world you know <laughs> the more people pay attention to you that's the more people paying attention to you, you know what I mean? And I would never want the kind of life where I couldn't, like, be as fat as I am or as dirty as I am or as unkempt as I am because too many people are paying attention. You know what I mean? Like how, you know, like the Kardashians can't take their garbage out without somebody being, like, I don't know if they even would take their garbage out, but, like, I want to be able to run to Walgreens without, you know, 30 people being, like, why? Why do you smell like pee or whatever? Wow. <laughs> so I would like to dominate this tiny corner. You know, sometimes it's more like pee, who knows? But I would like to, <laughs> like to dominate my little corner, but that's it. Okay. You know, I don't need to be all things to all people. And I feel like good people will keep coming to me, you know? I haven't, like, marketed or done anything. It's just been word of mouth, but, you know... I've like, built up the, you know, what I like to call my uh, woman army. And, like, I'm, I'm happy with the, with the way it's growing. 
I don't want to be the one in charge, you know. Mm. Like, I want to just be off to the side cracking the joke. Someone else can run the world, you know. Beyonce can run the world and I'll be, like, supplying her with funny lines to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, clearly... Folks want more of you, more of you. So now a major television network offered you the opportunity to turn your blog into a television series and you declined. Um, yeah. But so is this part of how you balance your private life, the dating adventures of a plus-size makeup maven with Crohn's disease and your public persona? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, that could be, yeah, that could be the title of the show. Here's the thing, though, like, so when they approach, you know, and I assume this is how it goes for most people, like, and I'm going to be, like, lame and, and refer to it as Hollywood, but when, like, Hollywood people come knocking, it's never like, hey, I want to provide a really safe environment for you to be creative and put your work out there. And no, You know, it's like... No, I want to be the first at the punch bowl, and I want to use you up and spit you out, and then leave you along the side of the road. Hopefully, this like ten thousand dollars I gave you was enough to to tide you over for a bit. And like that, to me, at this stage of the game, not worth it. Like if I were a starving, like I have a job, so if I were a starving artist who was like just waiting for anyone to acknowledge me and give me a tiny little piece of something, um, then I would be like, sure, you can take... I mean, the deal with when they offered to make my blog into a show, it was like, bitches gotta eat would belong to them. Mm-hmm. I couldn't write the blog while they were making a show. If they made the show, like, I'm not gonna, like, actively blog on a site while there's a show... Also, even so, if the show didn't get picked up, then there'd be this deadlock I haven't worked on for years that people have forgotten about, and no show. And I've sold it all out for like, you know, what what ultimately amounts to change once you take the taxes out of it. And so that didn't seem worth it to me. So I was like, I'll write you a new show, you know, I'll I'll give you some ideas that are also like the idea that they would put like that they would find someone to play me and be me and my friends was so gross. Mm. Like I didn't want that at all. It's you know, no one has ever I mean maybe maybe this happens to other people, but I have never been offered a life changing amount of money, you know. Because I would sell my soul for if it was like, here's $50 million, can I buy your dumb blog? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. You, I'll give you the computer I wrote it on. You can have my house and it's cat. Yes. Wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Back that up. <laughs> so is that the lowest bidder or the highest bidder? Because you've got gold, girl. <laughs> someone, no one has talked, no one has offered me any millions of anything. At least... Not yet. Maybe maybe eventually. But I'm telling you, as soon as they do, they can have this punk ass blog. I will be in Jamaica somewhere. I'm tired of the snow. I'll be in Jamaica somewhere relaxing, uh, drinking vodka things and I just gotta eat it'll be a, a distant memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Full Body Frequency. I'm speaking with Sam Irby, author of Meaty 
and the creator of the blog, Bitches Gotta Eat. And I'm Laura Rice. I love your book, Meaty. <laughs> a collection of essays ranging from awkward dates, diets, and who knew there was an Elvis sleeping pill diet? Aging bodies, what well, more? Yeah, so I was looking at, you know, I just wanted to make fun of it, a li- make fun of dieting a little, but commiserate a lot because who hasn't, like, read about all these crazy things people do to lose weight. I just started Nutrisystem yesterday, and it's like, you know, like, while you're reading about, like, what to try or what you think, I mean, who I didn't know about that cotton ball diet, and I was like, who does that? Who, like, for real, like, sat down and rationally thought, like, yes, I'm going to eat cotton balls in lieu of food so that I feel full but don't put any weight on. Um, absolutely insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. It's crazy. So then I'm, like, reading about all that stuff, I was like, I have to make fun of this. Like, we have to, like, be like, this is ridiculous, you know? Especially when, like, everybody knows, you know, you need to, like, eat vegetables and swim. I mean, like, it's so funny how we talk about it like it's a big, mysterious thing. And it's like, no, man. Everybody knows what they need to do. The reason why we have to make fun of it when we, you know, opt to get, like, space food delivered in a big box, uh, which is what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the Nutrisystem. (laughs) Wait a minute. Now, so food is clearly an important part of your writing. It's almost a a character Uh, in a sense. So food is also the foundation on which many of our best and worst memories are created, our favorite meals, celebrations, family traditions, bad dates, and you living with Crohn's disease. So what are some of your favorite foods? What are some of your favorite spring food rituals, if any, that you're looking forward to? Well, oh, my God. I really do love food like a boyfriend or a child, so it's hard for me to pick. My favorite, oh my God, my favorite food, I would, hmm, I would, I'll bring it down to a food type. I am a pasta girl, if ever there was one, and the Cacio e Pepe at at Coachello is probably my favorite. It's just a cheese and pepper pasta, super simple, and it's so delicious. Mm. I mean, I really love seafood. I, now I'm just thinking, I'm like, I love all the food. I love French food. I love the cassoulet. The cassoulet at Mods I had a couple weeks ago. It's amazing. But I like cheeseburgers. Don't get me started. I will not stop this list. <laughs> <laughs> What's bring things in my looking forward to? So I'm not going to be crazy about the Nutrisystem. I'm going to eat it when I can okay. and when I want. And if I am out to dinner and I want to have a normal meal, I'm going to have it. So what spring thing am I looking forward to? I am anxious to get back on the patio at Big Star and have a couple pork belly tacos. Those are my my spring and summer favorite. Like sitting out there with a Paloma and a couple of pork bellies is like the perfect day. Mm, that sounds delicious. So, <laughs> what's next for you? I am currently, I'm writing book two. I got a deal with Vintage, which is super exciting. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. And I have to be done writing it by the middle of June. Um, And then it'll come out spring of 
2016. I'm working on the book, then I imagine I'll be editing the book a, a lot when I get feedback from the editor, and then it'll be out next spring, which is exciting. That is exciting. Other than subscribing to Bitches Gotta Eat and purchasing your book, Meaty, which is available in stores now, what final yeah. words do you have for Full Body Frequency listeners? Words of inspiration. Words of inspiration. You know, I, and this is a struggle, I think, well, maybe not a struggle for all of us, but it definitely is a struggle for me. One of the things I think we should all stop doing, especially as full-bodied ladies, is like apologizing for ourselves. That's my thing in 2015. I'm gonna stop like being shy and sorry for the space I take up or the noise I make or anything else, like just not having my needs met because I'm, you know, embarrassed or I don't wanna be a problem or, you know, I don't wanna be the fat lady that everybody hates. Less of that and more getting what you need and from where you need it. Wonderful. Those are my words of inspiration. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Sam, thank you for joining me on Full Body Frequency. Thank you for having me, Laura. For more information about Sam Irby, her book, Meaty, or her blog, Bitches Gotta Eat, please visit the Full Body Frequency Facebook page. We'll be right back with Brian Duncan of Down to Earth Wine Concepts and his recommendations for exciting spring libation. Stay tuned. On the baseball field, a single decision can change a game. For a man with prostate cancer, a single decision can change his entire life. This is Joe Torre. While I chose surgery, a less aggressive approach called active surveillance might be the best choice for you. Ask your doctor about a genomic test that may help you make the right decision. Learn more at yourprostateyourdecision.com. A public service message from Men's Health Network, FEN, and Zero. For our troops and their families, the military is more than a career. It's a journey. And every step along the way, the USO is there. It's an experience that that soldier will never forget. That's what the USO does. From the time they join to the time they transition out of the military, the USO is there, offering programs and support along the way. It's way more than a free phone call for us. It's an opportunity to stay mom. And the USO makes it all possible. Be a part of their journey. Learn more today at USO.org. Cashmere me I'm 
You're listening to Full Body Frequency. I'm Laura Rice. We continue our program on spring wine and food. Joining me now is wine evangelist, brand creator, former co-owner and wine director of the internationally renowned Ben 36 restaurant. Under Brian's guidance, Ben 36 received an award of unique distinction from Wine Enthusiast Magazine in 2007. He is a four-time consecutive James Beard Foundation nominee in the category of National Outstanding Wine Service, a return seminar leader and panelist at the Aspen Food and Wine Classic. Brian has become an industry tastemaker, and sought-after speaker in food and wine synergy. He is nationally and internationally respected and recognized for his knowledgeable, friendly, and sympathetic approach to wine education. Brian Duncan, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Good to be here. So you describe yourself as a wine evangelist. What's the difference between (laughs) a wine evangelist and a sommelier? Well, maybe it's because um, I'm very passionate about uh, food, wine, and hospitality. My perspective I think has been a little different than what I think most people have uh, become accustomed and they thinking of, uh, they kind of associate with being very stuffy, maybe kind of exclusive. And I've always just had great fun with my family and friends enjoying wine. I wanted to preach a different gospel, if you will, inclusiveness. That wine was the reason to bring people together around the table with really good food. And I think it's, you know, getting together with people around a table is the most civilized thing that we do as a human being. So um, I have a high regard for what that means. So during your introduction, I mentioned your previous work with Ben 36. For those who may not be familiar, this restaurant literally transformed the way Americans experience fine dining and wine. In fact, Wine and Spirits magazine named Ben 36 the best wine pairing system in the U.S. and credited you with producing the restaurant's friendly approach to pairings. Please share your Ben 36 concept and your former role as both their wine director and co-owner. The the, uh, concept was born out of uh, frustration, actually. Uh, I used to uh, wait tables and bartend uh, over the years, and after work, uh, it's typical for uh, the service staff to go out, you know, as a team and um, enjoy one another's company in a more relaxed environment. And we would go to wine bars, and the food was usually pretty bad. Uh, the wine selection was, you know, what it was at the time. And uh, nobody was touting uh, wine by the glass or wine by the glass programs. As a matter of fact, people were generally suspicious that, that they were um, wines that didn't really taste very good but were overpriced. And at that time, talking about, 
you know, the late 80s, early 90s. That was pretty much the state of affairs. What I was coming across was this resurgence of um, uh, this new generation of winemakers out in California, out in Oregon, and in uh, places like Spain and Italy. It seemed like they were changing their uh, growing methods and making wines that had more balance, uh, like a good story has a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, wines that had personality. It wasn't just a good representation of the grape, but actually had more personality to it and was adding something. And I began to search those wines out, and um, I realized there was an opportunity to have a different conversation about, about wine and came up with this idea for a hybrid where you would put a wine bar together with a restaurant that had really good food and then a market. So remember how they have, used to have those... Um, places you could listen to records before you bought, bought them. You could right. put the headphones on, mm-hmm. see, hear music, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't last, and it was one of my favorite places. But I kind of thought about, why don't we try that with, uh, with wine? If people could taste in a, like a tasting format where they didn't have to commit to a whole bottle, they could do flights or half portions or full glass and travel the world through their glass. Mm. And that was the, sort of the, the crux of what Bin 36 was based on, uh, experimenting and discovery. And then, you know, being enticed to try something that maybe was not in your own comfort zone, but uh, all of a sudden you were discovering something that you thought you didn't like, but you really did. Now your Ben 36 chapter is has ended. Mm-hmm. You've created, through down-to-earth wine concepts, you continue your mission of making wine accessible. However, instead of offering an individual table experience, you provide an exciting array of services for corporations. Exactly. So please explain the what's, why's, and how's of your services. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I came up with the uh, idea as inspiration because I was thinking about what my approach had been, which is pretty down to earth. Uh, People aren't accustomed to people talking about wine the way that I do. Uh, I consider myself very approachable and I, heaven forbid, love to have fun. So uh, down to earth seemed to fit. And uh, before I knew exactly how it was going to walk and talk because I'd been immersed in my restaurant, I was producing 8,000 cases of wine a year under my Bin 36 uh, restaurant label, which means I had to travel a lot. And um, when I came up for air after those you know, 15, 16 years of doing that, I realized that there were some other chapters I wanted to write. One was uh, consulting. Uh, but the other thing that I had been doing all along was doing public speaking. Uh, I was a frequent uh, speaker at the Food and Wine Classic in Aspen, and had done that for about seven years, where I was all about strategies for food and wine pairing uh, and how to interact with food in a, a different way, uh, how to get more out of the wine and food experience. And I began doing it for uh, companies like Charles Schwab, uh, working with their, uh, their client base and um, having these wonderful, fun evenings. Uh, thank you, Eva. And just doing a lot of wine education. So it's an extension of that for me, which I enjoy uh, sort of opening people's eyes to something that they thought they either were not or shouldn't be a part of. Mm-hmm. And I teach people about how to get more out of life uh, through hospitality or food and wine experiences through travel. I encourage people to travel, uh, the experience of uh, other cultures and their food and experiencing wine in other cultures, other countries is magic. If you can consume the wine and food in the place that it comes from, uh, the light bulbs will all go on. So I spend my life kind of talking about uh, the wonderful opportunities that I've had over the years around food, wine, and inspiration through hospitality and the wonderful things people have shared with me in my travels. 
Sounds wonderful. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we return, we'll continue the conversation of spring wine. You need a glass of wine. I need a glass of wine (laughs) with Brian Duncan of Down to Earth Wine Concepts. More full body frequency. Stay tuned. Whether you're trying to figure out how to pay off a student loan or how you're going to pay for retirement, the tough economy is affecting all of us. The National Foundation for Credit Counseling wants you to know help is available for whatever kind of debt problem you're facing. The NFCC is a nonprofit organization with certified counselors who can show you how to make educated decisions. You're not alone. Call the NFCC at 800-388-2227 or visit debtadvice.org. This has been a public service from the NFCC. Are you living paycheck to paycheck? Do you want to break free of this cycle? There is no better time than now to get your finances in order. The National Foundation for Credit Counseling is a nonprofit organization ready to help. To reach a certified counselor for tips on how to recover from debts or help in developing a budget, contact the NFCC at 1-800-388-2227 or visit debtadvice.org. That's 1-800-388-2227 or debtadvice.org. A public service message from the NFCC. We're back and you're listening to Full Body Frequency. This is Laura Rice and I'm speaking with Brian Duncan, wine evangelist and owner of Down to Earth Wine Concepts. And we're also joined by Lori Perrette, pastry chef and owner of Cakewalk Chicago. Hi guys. Welcome Lori. Thank you. So with your passion for and expertise with food and wine, you're one of the world's most sought after panelists and moderators. As a matter of fact, you're moderating a panel for the inaugural foodie festival, Harlem Eat Up. Please share the vision for this gathering, your panel, and how listeners can join in the Reindeer Games. Well, for anyone that's interested, the website has a lot of the detailed information that I really don't have time to uh, extol about. But uh, Harlem Eat Up, all one word. And um, this was the vision of my very, very dear friend and international chef and man of charisma, uh, uh, Marcus Samuelson. He is not only in the business, um, I'm, I'm fortunate to call him friend. He's also one of the most generous people. And he has incredible vision, which is always very, very inclusive. And he, he came up with this idea of celebrating Harlem and what Harlem has been and has become. And he, uh, in his announcement, um, which was a major announcement, he partnered with uh, former President Bill Clinton and uh, Mayor de Blasio in announcing this first-of-its-kind four-day festival, May 14th through the 17th, uh, coming up and, uh, in Harlem. And it's an amalgamation of it's sort of a layer cake of culture. It's food, it's wine, it's art, it's entertainment, um, it's a lot of tastemakers. Uh, the lineup of chefs is absolutely unprecedented. People like Daniel and uh, Scott Conant, and I, I would forget somebody. Please go to the website, um, Harlem Eat Up. It's uh, Get your tickets now. The tickets have just been released in the last couple of weeks, and there's only a limited amount of, of events and spaces, but um, it's pretty incredible. Uh, you can participate on many different levels. It's going to be exciting and the first of its kind, as I said. And many of the tickets are actually already sold out yeah, for it's, a number it, of the panels. It's, a, it's a, the hottest ticket going, I think, right now. If anything, it has to do with food or wine around the country. Mm, looking forward to that. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. So for listeners who can't make it to New York City or Aspen or Napa Valley or Italy to have the Brian Duncan down-to-earth wine concepts ex- experience, how can they connect with you? Go to Facebook. I thought that was kind of the easiest uh, approach, Down to Earth uh, Wine Concepts, LLC. And um, my email is there, brian36 at icloud.com. 
And you can engage me. We can talk about what you want to accomplish in your event or a team building exercise. Uh, I do this incredible class on how to entertain like a rock star if you're trying to engage or build new, more business. If your people in your corporation are out there uh, trying to sustain business or to grow business, you might want to know if they have the type of personality and skills, personality skills to entertain people properly. I've seen many people lose business deals, lose clients over the years in my years in the restaurant business because they just didn't know what they were doing. And all of my tips, for the most part, are free. Well, now, spring is almost here. Our eating and drinking habits shift with the warmer weather. Brian, what foods and wines are you looking forward to experiencing this spring, and what goodies did you bring for us to taste? Well, I um, traditionally always have a, a, a bubbly wine with me, and it was actually the last wine, so I'll get to that one last. Uh, today, what I brought was an incredible uh, Italian wine, uh, agave, and it's a white wine, and it really tastes like spring. It's that perfect match of minerality. Uh, it has this amazing floral aroma, something like white peach and honeysuckle, and on the palate, it's really clean. There's not no no wood uh, treatment to it. Um, nice and full and round in the mouth. Uh, really a great companion for what we were talking about earlier about shellfish, really fresh salads, uh, sort of lighter fare. I, for one, cannot wait <laughs> for spring. We start thinking our uh, inner calendars in the wine business are way ahead of uh, most people's, just like chefs. We're already thinking about the coming season. And for wine, we need to be way ahead of the general public in terms of our buying because we have to move wine from around the world. So Gavi is uh, one of my favorites. I also brought two of my other favorite spring wines, two high-acid wines. One is a Riesling, uh, the Dr. L. Riesling, and that's from Germany. And I also brought a Gewürztraminer, the Fitzritter uh, Gewürztraminer from it's a spate lazy, so it, it has some fruit to it, but it, it has a dry finish uh, nonetheless. The Gewürztraminer and the Riesling, we did some nice pairings with uh, sushi. I think it was very, very shocking to everybody that <laughs> these wines yeah, were so prolific. I don't eat much sushi, but I did enjoy that pairing very much. Good, 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 good. Well, it, it's interesting because uh, there's all those extreme flavors that the salty brininess of the soy heat from the, the horseradishy sort of note that uh, wasabi has that nostril clearing yes. sensation yes, yes, and it's it's like each of those very strong assertive flavors ask a question in your mouth and they need correction it did it tempered everything that was maybe a little bit too much if you weren't expecting it or even if you were expecting it, mm -hmm. it created a very subtle nuance that you didn't quite see coming and it was really delicious it's uh it's it's the closest thing to magic i think when we talk about food and wine synergy we were talking about the fact that if it's a great pairing the wine should make the food taste better mm -hmm. and the food should make the wine taste better and i found myself thinking that i drink wine too much without food um, and that i need to start doing that a little bit more so in that respect it's a win-win i get to eat something delicious you were saved my evangelism works yes, it definitely <laughs> works most definitely very good very good so now one of the 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 foods you seem to love the most uh Lori, was the bacon. The, was it maple glazed bacon? It was um, brown sugar glazed bacon. Bacon is my friend. With black pepper. I really. love bacon. And the pairing um, of bacon and wine, who who thinks of that? Well, that's um, what I'm here for. It just for. means that there's a whole nother level. It means I can start drinking before noon. Because yeah. I can have 
I can have some wine with my bacon. Breakfast is the eggs. I mean, come on. (laughs) And it just kind of, the flavors just kind of exploded in your mouth. It's exciting, isn't it? It It's very exciting. And I've never really thought about wine in that way. Um, I read the labels. I'm like, yeah, whatever. How do you know that's like a peach? But really, when you say that there were floral notes and everything, I could definitely experience those just right after tasting them. So it was pretty phenomenal. Part of the exercise that uh, had us go through was that we slowed the process down. Uh, we all held the wine in our mouths probably longer than we would have normally done that. Mm-hmm. And I did a little anatomy lesson about where things are perceived uh, yeah. on your tongue. How do you taste? And uh, I think that's very enlightening for a lot of people. It was, definitely. So it's, uh, it's, it changes the way you look at food and wine or, or almost anything that you're eating or drinking uh, when you understand how you know, your, this apparatus works. Mm-hmm. So we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we will continue this conversation of spring wines and foods with Brian Duncan of Down to Earth Wine Concepts and pastry chef Lori Perrette of Cakewalk Chicago. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I can make an impact in the world. Young people think that we can't make a difference, but sometimes we can make the biggest difference. You just have to find something that you're passionate about and use your talents and your abilities to volunteer. Volunteering doesn't have to be a chore. There is no better feeling than helping somebody else. You could see one person smile. It could really open up your heart to new things. See a need and change the world. Are you a young volunteer making a difference? Apply for the Prudential Spirit of Community Award. Visit spirit.prudential.com. Hey mom, how about this game? What's it rated? Uh, huh, let's see. T for teen with violence and suggestive themes? Uh, no. Know the video games your kids play. Check the rating and content descriptors. Read the rating summaries and set the parental controls. You'll be amazed at how easy it is to know. <sighs> this one better? Huh, much. Some games are for kids, some aren't. For more information, visit ESRB.org. Full Body Frequency is back, and what an incredible gathering of wine, food, and experts in this studio. Leading our conversation right now is Chef Lori Perrette. Welcome to Full Body Frequency. Thank you so much for joining us again. From Dillard University, graduating with a BA in English, working for Public Allies, a national service program, under the direction of Michelle Obama. Pretty cool. Yeah, to teaching at-risk high school students, to pastry chef, to food network competitions, to beekeeper. Now, how does this all happen? You know, if I thought about it, it probably wouldn't happen. It's just kind of like I try to listen to the universe and see where it takes me. So um, after Public Allies, I was able to uh, start teaching at a uh, alternative high school and during that time I taught life skills and one of the things that we did was that we cooked um, to really give them information that they needed you know to be successful in their lives and so in doing that I found that I really enjoyed cooking I kind of knew that but um, when I had been in college I was the one who had a job and so I could actually go out and buy real food when people were eating ramen noodles so it allowed me to experiment and the one thing that I just definitely could not grab was baking and so as a result it really made me question like okay why does this happened. So I ended up going to culinary school. And from there, um, I was able to work in uh, shelters for women. Uh, as the food service manager, I worked at Inspiration Corporation as their first um, uh, chef instructor as they worked to uh, get underemployed people employment. And it all just kind of led me into um, 
that food direction. And it's something that I really loved. I enjoyed teaching and I enjoyed working with food. And that's kind of how Cakewalk Chicago was created, where I could actually teach the things that I was able to learn that people are kind of stumped by. There's just something about recreating your grandma's favorite cake, but you couldn't quite figure out how she did it because she just kind of looked like she was throwing stuff in. But there was some science behind it. And so what Cakewalk Chicago does is it gives you the tools that you need, the professional tools that you need, along with the expertise to kind of get those things done. Um, and then the beekeeping just came because I like the idea of keeping bees, you know, <laughs> the, kind of the coolest thing you can do. And I kind of consider myself the coolest person I know. So I was talking with my mom one day and uh, I said, hey, you want to keep some bees? And she said, sure. So we found this uh, apiary in Pullman, which is like right in the middle of traffic in the expressway and industrial things. And that's where we keep our bees and uh, harvest some honey when we're lucky. So I'm going to step back just a little bit because I want I want you to really explain Cakewalk Chicago and what it does, because it's it's not only a retail location, but it's online and you it's a baking and cake decorating supply boutique. That's a great way to think about it, that it started because I would be teaching and then people would ask me, well, I want to use these things, or they'd be watching a, a Martha Stewart show or something on television or a Food Network thing, and then all the time they couldn't find the tools that these people were using, and it was really difficult to teach a class and say, well, this is what I use, but you can't use it, um, because that's not fair. So the store just kind of started as a way to bring those tools and the information to home cooks, and so we actually get grandmas, we get 12-year-olds, we get uh, people who want to make wedding cakes for their best friend, we get professional chefs who are in the restaurant and they need something and waiting for it online is just a little bit too long. Um, actually, Brian walked in the store one day looking for pie boxes for his uh, mom's signature uh, sweet potato pie and we didn't realize that we knew each other until we sat <laughs> down here together. So it's really a great way to bring people together. We get at Cakewalk Chicago get to be a part of everybody's celebration. Like everything we do is happy. Um, even when people are making cakes for uh, memorials and repasts, it's still a happy occasion because it's a remembrance and they're making somebody's favorite cake and so it's just a very cool way to be a part of that without the stress of actually being a part of that um you know I don't necessarily want to be making cakes 24 hours a day but I still get to be a part of that which is really nice that's wonderful so what are some of the items or classes that Cakewalk Chicago will offer this spring uh, some of the most popular ones include uh, gum paste shoes, which is like a, the equivalent to possibly a size 8. My feet are giant, so I'm not totally sure if it's a size 8 um, as a reference, but it's a fully edible high heel shoe uh, that people will set on top of cakes. Uh, we're actually going to be doing a baking essentials class because people still want to know. They're really tired of the cake mix experience, and they kind of want to get back to basics. So we'll do um, a primer on baking cakes. How do the ingredients work? Why you can't use baking soda, and you have to use baking powder, things like that. Uh, cupcake decorating is always popular, as well as beginning candy making. Like, you know, when I'm melting the the candy melts, how does that work? Why am I burning them? Why are they seizing up? Why can't I dip strawberries in it? So things like that. We really like to start at the basics and give you the skills that you need to kind of ramp it up and work on things. So let's talk a little bit about trends and what we can expect this spring in terms of the, the dessert world and what home bakers can do. As a matter of fact, you brought in some strawberry desserts. So mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, I'm not 
always down on the trends, but what I found is that strawberries, this actually is strawberry season. It doesn't look like it outside, but strawberries grow year-round in the United States, they, in Florida and in California. And just about a week ago, um, I had the most phenomenal strawberries. I put them on a platter uh, for a reception, and I had people walking up to me and said, where did you get these strawberries? And then one person even said, are those Florida strawberries? Because they smell and they taste just like the strawberry farm that I used to live across the street from. And I wasn't sure, so I actually looked. And the nice thing about that is that strawberries kind of make spring at any time um, with just a very simple thing, but it's very delicious. It's fruity, it's fresh. Even if they're not at their peak, you can make adjustments to them to make them taste phenomenal. So what I actually brought in today um, were two examples of that, just using uh, three ingredients, some fresh strawberries, some sugar, and a little bit of lemon zest. Um, so we started with a puree of that combination that could be used as a sauce. It could be used as a base for sorbet. If you have an ice cream machine or granita, which you can just pop into the freezer and kind of agitate it and fluff it up until it's ready to uh, be solid. Um, actually, you can use that puree in a glass of sparkling wine. So instead of making a mimosa or making a bellini, you would put that puree in there and then have a very fresh, phenomenal drink. Uh, we took that same combination of ingredients and we cooked it down. Added a little bit of vanilla to that to make a refrigerator jam, which is thick, um, spreadable. You can put it um, as a syrup if it's still warm. You can also use it on biscuits and sandwiches, uh, like a jelly sauce, as my youngest son said. Mom, do we have some more of that jelly sauce? <laughs> um, so that's pretty cool. If you've just tuned in, we're talking spring desserts with pastry chef and Cakewalk Chicago owner, Lori Perrette, and we're joined by Brian Duncan of Down to Earth Wine Concepts. So now, what we tasted was incredible, and the wine that you, Brian, paired with the strawberry in two different ways mm -hmm. was... It's, uh, the, the winery is called Malvira, M-A-L-V-I-R-A, -A, and the uh, wine is... the. the the other line is Birbet, B-I-R-B-E-T. Um, my dear friend uh, from Osteria Langa, uh, Piemontese restaurant here in Chicago, lent the bottle to me. It won't be coming back uh, with anything in it. Well, thanks for sharing <laughs> with us. Thank you. The, uh, the grape is, uh, is Brachetto, and uh, Brachetto is uh, done in uh, sort of a Spamante style, so very, very tiny bubbles, uh, almost a, a foam or a mousse. Mm -hmm. and uh, made similarly like most people are familiar with Moscato di Asti, and, uh, but it's red. Yeah. And it loves red berries, anything that's red-berried, oh, and it really goes well with chocolate. And, uh, I don't today, even like Moscato, uh -huh. but I found that once I ate the strawberries, I really enjoyed that particular wine because I find them too sweet, but that was like a perfect balance between the tarts Exactly. of the strawberries and then the wine. And it finishes dry. So at the end of a, a the Italians love multi-course meals. And at the end of a, a heavier meal, um, it, it lifts your spirits. I tell people when I gift that to them sometimes when, um, you know, I'm in a restaurant. Or, I need to get on your gift list. <laughs> <laughs> or in my home, I'll, I'll give it to them and I'll say, take two sips of this and it will be as though you haven't eaten anything. Mm -hmm. And it really feels like you're starting from square one. Yeah. Very now, refreshing. Now, how easy or difficult is this to replicate at home? I mean, you've got all the pairings that, that we did earlier and then the selection of wine in terms of strawberries, fresh ones, frozen. 
cleaning them organic i mean there's as it relates to the strawberry i'm kind of keep it simple whenever organic is available it's a nice choice just because you don't have to be concerned about what might be present that's not natural Um, but if you don't have that choice don't worry about it i tend to go for a smaller strawberry they tend to be more flavorful If it's strawberry season around the country, a local strawberry will offer you many more varieties. There are probably like four to 600 different varieties of strawberries to choose from. Yeah, quite a few. And each one will have a little bit more sweet, a little bit something else. So that's important. Um, Buying strawberries, look for some that do not have any mold. Uh, I tend to look for some that are smaller in size. Um, Look for them that are firm. Uh, When you get them home, do not wash them. Strawberries are sponges. They will soak up all of the water that you put on them. So what you can do is to put them out on a towel and layer them between a towel and put them maybe into a bag or into a bowl and leave those in the refrigerator. When you want to use them, especially if you're going to just eat the strawberries out of hand, go ahead and rinse them off and then blot them dry. But I've also been known to actually take a damp towel and to wipe each strawberry, especially if I'm going to be dipping it into chocolate Mm. or to whipped cream. Um, One is that it makes sure that it doesn't absorb too much moisture, but it also will remove some of those seeds, which happen to be on the outside, which can get into and kind of blemish the process that you're working with. If you find that you're not going to eat your strawberries right away, just pop them in the freezer. You can remove, you can hold them, which is to remove the green part. You can also remove the, um, the little white part, which tends to not be as sweet. Lay them out on a flat tray and allow them to IQF, which is individually quick frozen. You will spend, what, five to seven dollars on that in the, in the grocery store when you can IQF them yourself. You can actually lay them out in the freezer every time you get a batch and you know you want completed. Just keep a bag where you're just putting strawberries in it. People who are making smoothies can use it. If you're going to make a puree for a granita or sorbet, you can use them there. You can cook them down for um, the refrigerator jam. All kinds of cool stuff that you can do with them. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of information, but I'm going to take it in stride. I'm going to take right. it in stride. I got stride. some more, but we'll, we'll do it in steps. Okay. Steps. That sounds good to me. So, Brian and Lori, thank you so much for sharing what's next for spring foods and wine offerings. There's a lot to be excited about, so get out there and enjoy the bounty. And that's this week's Plus One. For more information about Brian Duncan and Down to Earth Wine Concepts, Chef Lori Perrette's Cakewalk Chicago, or anything else you've heard on today's show, please visit the Full Body Frequency Facebook page. Until next time, tune into your own Full Body Frequency, where large is luscious living.